Welcome back to a podcast greater than yourself. My name is John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And we are back with another listening party episode covering steps 6 through 12 of our Clear Cut Directions series. And uh, we had our friend Suds with us. Mm-hmm. Suds is, uh, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, this is awesome. Really, really good time. Uh, they brought a lot of energy and a lot of uh, interesting perspective that I think is really different from stuff that you and I would have brought on our own. Absolutely. And um, that's, I think, probably the second most important thing we look for in a guest. Uh, yeah. First important thing, obviously, being, are they Dax Shepard? Did their check clear? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, enjoy the episode. This will be the conclusion of our season two clear-cut directions. Um Look out for our workshop Saturday, March 27th, which gets plugged thoroughly in this episode. And um, so many things getting plugged. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, please take a second if you're enjoying the show to rate us and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. Follow us on whatever podcast app. Um, just helps to get it out there to more people to enjoy it. And hopefully, this fellowship will continue to grow up around us and. I just want to say uh, a quick thank you to everybody that helped us out with season two. It's been incredible to hear everyone and um, everyone did such an amazing job. And I think we've, I mean, already gotten so much feedback from the first episodes that have come out. And uh, I'm, yeah, I just, it, I know we both really appreciate it. Absolutely. Like, and I can tell you there are people right now as we speak who have sponsors and are active in step work. Uh, having a new spiritual experience directly because they reached out because they heard this series start. And they asked us, hey, can you direct me somewhere? And uh, we got them linked up with somebody. And that is the icing on the cake. That's super, super super cool. Um, And just as an added extra special thank you, a shout out to Amanda for inspiring something that's going to pop up in this episode that even little Fred doesn't know about yet. So, um, now I have to actually listen. (laughs) So, uh, give us a shout, uh, drop us a line podcast greater than yourself at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at a podcast greater than yourself or at Dr. Underscore Silkworth. And we will see you next season. Thanks again. Later. When I was listening to the step six and seven with Kat, one, I like, I loved the way that she broke it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but six and seven are near and dear to my heart. I think that they're overlooked steps. They're like, feel like gimme steps. Um, and I really like the way that she put it, that it would be, you know, she just thought of both of those things as a statement and then moved on. Yeah. Now for me, I have a hard time with my relationship with a higher power. And this was one of the very first places I started to understand it. So I would have my, my sponsor would talk to me about, you know, this list of character defects I now have. Um, and they would say, okay, so pray to that God removes it from you. Um, and the way that that's meant to play out in my life is that God is going to give me opportunities mm-hmm. to practice this thing. You know, so if I, if I'm like, ah, I'm an impatient person because I'm selfish, for example, and if I pray for patience, 
I'm definitely going to get stuck in traffic that day, like a hundred percent. Right. And it was starting to build this relationship with a higher power where I had to act as if I was now a patient person because my higher power has removed it. Um, and it started to build that connection in my brain that I didn't have before. And I often do that with my sponsees that have a hard time with a higher power is this like, if you're looking for patterns in your life and if you like, for lack of a better word, if you pray or like set your intentions for the day, you're more likely to see those moments where you can practice the fact that you're getting rid of your character defects. Mm -hmm. And it built a connection for me, like a real world, easy connection. Yeah. I love that. I, um, there's a lot in, uh, like the fear prayer and the four step that's given. It's like a prayer I use <laughs> pretty much daily currently with different things, you know, going on work and stuff, um, family life. But, um, and even just like going to meetings, uh, on zoom, going to different meetings, like new meetings where it's like, I don't know what I'm about to walk into here. <laughs> Remove my fear and direct my attention to what you'd have me be, you know? And the reason that comes to mind is because it's like, um, I'm not saying that prayer with this, like, I'm going to grab a box of Lucky Charms and pour them into a bowl and have cereal right now, like an instant gratification. Like, you know, I do this prayer and this thing happens. What I'm doing is I'm like, like you said, like setting an intention. I'm just going, Hey, uh, reminder it's not up to me to rid myself of fear what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask for direction and then i'm going to take that fear and walk with it and like ask for it to be removed but no like this isn't magically just going away this second i'm gonna act as if it's being treated by something bigger than me and i'm gonna go see what i can do for somebody else because those are the directions right mm. and and what ends up happening is like, uh, just like you said, like I get tons and tons of opportunities to live uh, in, in a way that challenges the ideas and actions that used to dominate my thinking. And then I get to see in my nightly review more and more, oh, wait, like, that's me? Like, I'm that kind of person now? Like, I... I, I'm I have like a well organized garage. What the fuck? Who am I? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I'm just like like I I uh, I literally I said this at a treatment center. I was talking on Monday. I literally Sunday night. So Monday was the first day in two weeks I've been to work. Sunday night, my nightly review, in my like my prayers right before, right after meditation, right before going to bed. I was excited to go back to work the next morning. Not because I, I could finally get away from, you know, whatever had kept me away from work, but because I got excited to go be back at work and be helpful to people who need me to be useful at work. And I immediately was like, I just want to punch you in the stomach. Like, what, what, what kind of nerd is excited <laughs> to go to work? <laughs> But that's a new attitude that you got through this process, right? And yeah. I think that that's one of the hard things where, you know, I have a sponsee, for example, who's dreading going to work or dreading going to a family, you know, and I'm like, because you're focusing on what 
you're supposed to get out of it or what mm-hmm. worried about what you're not going to get out of that rather than like how can you be useful mm-hmm. that's a whole our whole purpose now is like we're going through all of this so that we can be useful and it's the same thing with six and seven where it's like i'm learning how to remove things in my life that prevent me from being useful um and i find six and seven are the best place that you start to practice um step three without training meals because doing step four and five are pretty clear mm-hmm. cut directions um, and you're sitting like hand in hand with somebody kind of going through that process, um, in my experience anyway. Um, and then six and seven are like, okay, so go on, go forth and stop being an asshole. Like pray for it to be removed. Find moments where you would have normally acted differently. And for the most part, people have excellent results with this because they've stopped acting in a selfish way. And suddenly life is better for them. Like it's, um, and it still feels counterintuitive mm-hmm. to me when I was doing it actively. Yeah. I I loved Cat's six and seven breakdown, mm-hmm. mostly mm-hmm. because I uh, I really love Cat. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you could have packed more enthusiasm and love <laughs> for the steps into 19 minutes than she did. Like, uh, that was like, I was, I re-listened to, I tried to re-listen to all the episodes today. So they'd be like fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of went like, and ju- I didn't do them in order. So I was like jumping around and cat was like the last one on my way, on my drive home. I was like, put that one on. And I was like, this girl is on fire mm-hmm. for this stuff. Like it was incredible, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I loved everything that she said. Uh, and I thought her, I thought her episode was just dope. Totally. You both surround yourselves with some of the most passionate people about the program that I have ever encountered, you know, and That's like awesome. internationally. So there's a bunch of <laughs> all of these people that are so hyped on the steps and I, I get it. Like it's, Obviously, I'm here because it changed my entire life. But every once in a while, when I'm in your company, I feel like I'm under-enthused somehow. <laughs> well, it's funny because I went to like a have actual... You, have you tried organizing your garage? <laughs> no. What I was I'm thinking about, to have a garage is that you should have said, um, I, have, I have a garage and it's not my primary residence. <laughs> <laughs> like just that would be an incredible step up you know sorry car, yeah. carport have you organized your carport i believe it's a car hole car hole. <laughs> is that a canadian thing um so oh what were we talking about i don't know i interrupted you for my garage joke i apologize sincerely um, no it's good how enthusiastic oh, you, you were talking about you enthusiasm yeah, yeah yeah so i was supposed to go to a treatment center on monday but then the covid put a stop to that and so I was like sitting at the dinner table and I was like, oh, you know what? This guy reached out and was like, they're having a live meeting in town here. And he'd asked if I would, if I was free, if I could come by, cause they need, they'd like to have people come by that are whatever recovered. And like, so I went by there and, um, I spoke like I would speak at rhinos <laughs> and I didn't mean to share like last, like I started with like 10 minutes to go and I only talked for like three minutes. And it was this weird thing where like there was this like really obvious pause after I spoke. And then somebody from like the way back of the room just went, mic drop. And then the guy next to me just like looked at me, was like, uh, rock on. And then nobody else spoke for six minutes while we just sat there in silence. And like 
I was just like, somebody gonna say anything? <laughs> it's wild when you like are in a meeting full of humans who do a lot of like check-ins or um, you know breaking down sad bits about their day, mm-hmm. um, whatever it is, rather than like something that's entirely book and program based. That when you like walk into that space and you say it, the reaction is very bizarre, like sucking air out of a room. Like, yeah, I just hadn't had that live. Like it's different on Zoom, you know, because on Zoom, you don't get the same reaction, mm-hmm. you know, and I hadn't been in a live meeting like that in a in. I don't even know. I mean, I've been to treatment centers, mm-hmm. but that was the first like just AA meeting I've been to. Here's another thing, though. Like, like I said earlier, like, okay, uh, saying that fear prayer, walking into a meeting, like, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I am not one of these people who's like, oh, the only place I feel at home is an AA meeting, or I feel so at home here. Everyone speaks my language. Like, that's not how I feel in meetings. I don't feel that way at all, you know? And I feel like that's a confluence of factors. Um, and I feel like one of the, major contributing factors is what you're talking about. Cause it's like, I've had an experience that really like, if you look at page 25 of the big book, which I happen to have a copy right here. <laughs> I think it's funny that you said page 25 of the big book. Like in case somebody wasn't sure, they were like, Wait, <laughs> which, which book are, are we talking about? about? Really get page 25 of uh, drink like a woman by Holly Whitaker or whatever it's called. <laughs> Uh, Of course, you'll have to pay $800 a year for your copy. Um, So, yeah. So, I walk into a meeting, and uh, the great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we have had Mm. deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. Like, that's my baseline, walking into a meeting, and like... Usually, 85% of the people there are fucking actively disinterested in hearing about that, you know? And uh, it's complicated by all kinds of factors, but one of the, one of the things that always um, occurs to me is that, like, I am, I'm having, like, my personal AA experience is uh, definitely lines up with that, but it's also, like really far from those guys like specific life experience you know i'm not the same like type of person they talk about being and i'm not a religious person and like you know on and on and on right and so um i could look at all these crazy differences um even even as a recovered person but you know like where where recovery's taken me is still a place where that is absolutely what's happened in my life. And like, um, I might not call it the same thing that they call it, but when I read those words, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's weirdly accurate. Like I have Mm -hmm. a fundamentally insanely different life than I used to have. Right. And, and like offering that to other people who want it just like makes it bigger and makes it go deeper, you know? And like, to, to walk into a room where it's like, yeah, we gathered here and named our gathering after the, th- the thing from which you just read. <laughs> and then, like, 
you know, you share with passion about something like that without being a dickhead. Because, you know, way, like 20 years ago, I used to go into meetings and be like, book, fuck you. You know, like, I mean, it's right. a different fucking thing. But there's like a real fine line between being like program centered and being self-righteous. Totally. And I don't always know where that line is, if I'm completely <laughs> honest, right? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, like, well, that's what it says in the book. Because I read right. it. I'm yeah. literate. You know, like that kind of feeling is what, if that's the feeling I'm like projecting into a meeting, I'm mm -hmm. coming about it the wrong way. Right? Yeah. And I always, um, I always try to make it clear. It's like, I'm not, I'm not in a book club. Like, mm -hmm. this isn't like mindless cultish worship of some book, right? It's that it's experiential. Like if I didn't have direct experience doing this stuff and having this shit happen, I wouldn't be in this fucking, <laughs> I wouldn't be this meeting with you guys. Cause I'm not, I'm not a person who's like, I feel most at home around people talking about their problems, strangers in a church basement, you know what I mean? Like, that's not mm -hmm. my comfort zone. I don't right. feel comfortable there, you know? And um, I love observing human behavior. And therefore, an, an AA meeting or whichever fellowship is endlessly fascinating. If Especially I if you're watching every episode of the season, you know? Like, if you're a <laughs> weekly subscriber, you know? Then you get to really see... but you see both sides of it. Like that was, that was one of the reasons my, my um, sponsor was so adamant about making sure that I was getting to meetings and getting to a home group um, at first, because at that time I probably had very little to contribute um, was that watch the other people. It's the greatest show on earth. Watch the other mm -hmm. people, watch lights come on in people's faces sure. yeah. and their lives change and watch other people struggle and then notice what they're talking about. Notice who they're hanging out with. Mm -hmm. Notice what they're doing with their lives, right? Like you can figure out those patterns without having to do very much. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, but only if you're consistently going to a place. Yeah. Like I always talk about opposite George, like that episode <laughs> of Seinfeld. Right. That idea where it's like at first, most of my life most of my life uh, in sobriety was just like do the opposite of what you want to do and your life will get better because I don't want to go to a meeting. So if I went to a meeting, my life got better because I had a chance to go for coffee and there was some, someone there who was newer than I was and they joined our group, whatever it was, right? Like my life doing the things I didn't want to do um, or the, you know, do my second thought instead of my first thought kind of idea. Um, and that all is the same kind of family as, as uh Gosh, six and seven are the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like uh, taking a really impatient, impulsive person who keeps running their life into the ground with their, you know, lack of impulse control and kind of being like, let's redirect that energy <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you got to set up chairs every night at 7 p.m. <laughs> you know, like, and that's enough sometimes for me. It's like, People are teaching me my six and seven before I'm even close to ready to start getting there. Where mm -hmm. it's like teaching you patience, where you're like, you're not allowed to use your phone in a meeting. But there's something about the oral tradition of AA that I still really love. Like, even though there's some parts of it that are entirely bastardized, you know, it's, mm -hmm. like, it's just one day at a time, or, you know, meeting makers make it, or whatever those, those turn turns of phrase. There's also really 
great boiled down ways of explaining what's in the big book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is just impossible to differentiate when you're a branding baby. Right. Yeah. And, and I think there's also great suggestions that you can give to somebody that aren't in the book necessarily mm-hmm. that have gotten passed down that are helpful. You know, like nobody has ever said, it doesn't say anywhere in the book anything about meetings. So the idea of like, hey, get to the meeting early or get like, doesn't say anything about getting commitments. I certainly wouldn't ever tell a sponsee that that's a bad idea. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. be committed to a place um, every week or to be the greeter early on in sobriety, you know, these types of things. Um, I think where the difference comes in is when we start anchoring the sobriety to these things, as mm-hmm. opposed to them being like this fringe thing that's not bad. It's not going to give you the result you want, but it's something you can be doing while you're doing this other thing. What we've lost is, is that we've lost that connection. Mm-hmm. And instead, these things have become the program, mm-hmm. right? And so it's I think like... It's- it's tough to, because 12, 12, step 12 work, um, I've always thought of it as like a one-on-one uh, with another alcoholic. Um, until somebody pointed out to me that, you know, a vision for you is almost a, entirely about gr- like growing your own fellowship, right? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Um, and that was the moment that I got more involved in, you know, my uh, business meetings and stuff, mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, how can I make this function for newcomers? How is this going to be the best space to bring in newcomers and keep them here? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? How are we a solution-based meeting? Mm-hmm. And you can like, you know, you suddenly get become very good at the traditions so that you can be like, mm, no, we have to yeah. <laughs> like, steer your group. <clears throat> to a place where you are actually this, the like vision for you growth is what you're looking for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for me, a lot of the times when I'm sponsoring somebody new and, you know, this is somebody who's like a month or like right around a month sober and they're at step 12 and it's like, okay, here's a bunch of other stuff. That's not sponsorship that you can do. Mm-hmm. While you're actively all the time trying to find someone to sponsor, you know, because mm-hmm. that's in today's AA, that can be a hard sell. You know, it can be a hard sell to be like, you know, Johnny 25 days trying to sponsor somebody, you know, um, a lot of people look at that and just say, like, you need to slow down or you don't know what you're talking about or what the mm-hmm. hell do you have to offer. Um and, you know, I mean, I've said it a million times, like, it's it's so awesome that there was nobody there to tell Bill and Bob that, you know, nobody time shamed Dr. Bob. <laughs> so Bill Dotson got sober. My first sponsor uh, says you're a newcomer for the first five years. That's right. It's incredibly uh, arbitrary. But I think that that. But that was the the pervasive thought in where I got sober. Yeah. Like, I think you would find that across any meeting. Yeah. And that's what I mean about that oral tradition is kind of like a double-edged sword. Totally. Where it's just been passed down. These, like, group consciousness is a really great example of that, where it's, like, things that have been passed down have nothing to do with anything. Where you're like, yeah, you have to be sober for at least... Six months to hold a key. (laughs) Yeah, because one time, some (laughs) guy, some Seth didn't show up to unlock the door and Seth only had 90 days. Well, cause and, yeah. you guys oh, all voted on. that 
Suboxone Steve could have a key, you know, or whatever it is. You know? It's like you're going to blame his time instead of like your bad decision making out of laziness, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've uh, we've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole here, but I uh, I think it was good. It's I think it was a good discussion. Technically, step 12, I feel like. We're well, no, so what, yeah, I know. Nope. And that's what I was going to say is like um, step 12 doesn't say um, we we actively carried the message to one other person at a time at the coffee shop down the street from the meeting. It says we tried to carry. And I always really emphasize, especially with new sponsees, but even with sponsees who have like a year or, or 18 months or two years and are struggling to get sponsees, mm-hmm. um, I always really push hard on them that uh, that God rewards effort. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, you're not in the, you're not in the results business. You're in the taking action business. Did you take action? Did you go up to that person? Cause I have a firm rule with my guys. Like, um, I say, you know, when you go to a meeting, you can't, if you're in a meeting with a, with 50 people and 25 raise their hand, like where, where I go, I like to go to meetings where they ask for like people with 90 days or less. Cause I, I think is a, some places ask for like, is this your first meeting ever? And I'm like, well, we're getting nobody today. <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so if 25 people raise their hand, I can't remember 10 or 12 names of all the dudes who raise their hand. So I'm going to remember one person. And after the meeting, I'm beelining it for that person. Yeah. Cause that's the, that's in my experience has been my best effort. And so that's why I have them do. So I'm like, all right, are you doing that? Are you attempting to carry this message to other people? Whether or not they they sit down with you and get to step three, whether or not they never sit down, it doesn't matter. As long as you are putting the welfare of others ahead of your own welfare, as long as you're taking time out of your day to go out and help somebody else, that's that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And, and what you said, Suds, uh, was, you know, you were just looking at it at like a macro level. And I, I, th- I think that's brilliant. Like, um, you serve the creator by honoring his creation. If one of the ways to honor is to make sure that meetings are set up in the, so that we don't have a bunch of meetings reading, drop the rock, you know, so that we have a bunch of meetings that are focused on the newcomer and bringing a message of hope, right. That carries depth and weight. Mm-hmm. That's to me, that's, that's attempting to carry the message. I think that's brilliant. And I've been to a lot of meetings where I, you know, you become part of that. It becomes your home group and you go to those business meetings. And one of the first things I suggest is like, can we make this a solution-based meeting? And what I mean is that the chairperson cuts off anybody who isn't talking about the topic that we brought up or like something solution-based from the big book. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're not a complaining zone. We're not a like, everybody's here for a reason. You ended up in this church basement because your life is fucked. Mm-hmm. We all know because we've all done it, you know? Um, and working that into like, the preamble for a meeting. So what you're saying Business is solution everyone, everyone likes you a whole lot immediately. People <laughs> love me. They love me at business meetings. Have you ever wondered what the songs your mom loved in high school would sound like? If five or six former problem drinkers recorded sobriety-themed cover versions of them. What's that? No? You hadn't ever wondered that? Well, I can't say that I blame you. And yet here I am, back again, with Recovery's Greatest Hits, Volume 2. Ninety meetings, ninety days. That's what all the people say. But I don't see them 
with another collection of sobriety-themed cover tunes without all those pesky lyrics that made you love them in the first place. Let's check out another chart topper. David Lee Roth is spinning in his grave over that one. And I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Using to fix that I broke before. <laughs> Recovery's Greatest Hits, Volume 2. Get your copy today at drunkjunkrecords.com. Or don't. I'm really not entirely sure who would want this. Well, it's a living amends. Well, it's a living amends. Well, it's a living amends. It's a living amends. Well, it's a living amends. So, <clears throat> the one that um, I wanted to talk about was Aiden talking about steps eight and nine, and um, there's a there's a bunch of stuff uh, that I could touch on there, but this what what comes to mind um, when we're talking about six and seven, and particularly the ideas that you were 
talking about suds is that uh, the concept of um, <laughs> what are you smirking at? <laughs> Just Suds is the best name that anybody's come up with so far. Well, what I, I can't what, get every I, time I you say it, it how I did laugh. you spell it when you wrote it down? Suds, S U D S. Okay. Did you put a Z? Yeah, no, I put S U D D Z. Ooh, now it's my rap name. You're an '80s uh, rapper. You know now. what? It's because that was uh, my grandfather went by that name for. Aww. He didn't like his first name. Um, which is Ernest Voldemort. Uh, <laughs> so he went by said, so his grandpa said, when you're talking about like, um, taking action in the steps in prayer and then in the actual footwork, um, and seeing results in your life in a substantive way, i.e. like I'm a different person suddenly, you know, however gradual. So like usually like in my, in my experience and in my experience, with sponsorship, the people who actually stick around and and uh, you know get to step twelve and start sponsoring are people who do this work quickly. Um, and in my in in my experience as well, it's like I'm I'm sitting at the Salvation Army with my nose in a book with a crackhead way before I have realized that I've recovered. You know, because um, it's like. Okay, uh, I met my sponsor, and like 13 days later, uh, you know, go find somebody to sponsor. You know, it's like we're there. Um, so when he when he talks about in his episode about uh, the experiential awakening that occurs through this really thoughtful, um, specific process of amends that the book describes. So not this thing that I used to do. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but this thing I used to do is I would get, I would get just drunk enough to think about like an ex usually, and then call and then get just drunk enough to call the ex. And then the conversation would always start with huge air quotes and apology. You know, it was like the whole point I was, I was like, Oh, I feel so bad for, you know, and the conversation would every time end with me saying something like, well, I never lied to you or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then them being like, I know you believe that. And then me being like, I believe it because it's accurate to reality. That's why I believe it, you know, <laughs> like, creating much more harm. Um, and, and literally just going into this completely selfishly wanting to assuage my personal guilt and having no intention of repairing damage that I've done. Right. So mm -hmm. when you talk about, um, you know, looking at, looking at things in, in a new way, which starts in like sets four and five and like, by the time I get to amends, if I've followed the directions that are in this book, if I've done with another, with a recovered person, the stuff that this book describes in the way it describes, it doesn't really matter if I've done it in eight days or in like five weeks. If I've done that stuff and then I go and I start making amends, like when I get to that point, like I'm not the same dude when I start doing step nine that I was when I started writing my four step. I'm just not. And it doesn't matter if I notice that or not, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I have experiences like this in sponsorship all the time. I, I had two different 
people I'm sponsoring this past week met with both of them like back to back different uh you know one one day one the next day both of them having this exact same experience where they're just like um yeah i uh i never would have even thought of apologizing to this person and before we did uh fifth step together i didn't think i had harmed this person um and for that reason a note on step 8 like one of the things that I like to do, and, and I and I, I don't I'd like to your feedback on this, you guys. Um, this is one of those among like solution book people or whatever. It's like controversial or whatever, and I, and I sound like I'm questioning the Almighty Big Book or whatever. But I feel like the Big Book is vague on step eight. I just feel like it is. I feel like there's one sentence during the sex harms inventory directions on page 70 that says we have a list of people we have harmed and we're willing to make amends right one sentence out of all these directions about sex harms and then when you get to page 76 after the seven step prayer it says we have a list of people we made it and we took inventory so i'm like okay people usually take that one of two ways they either usually take that to mean every single person involved in my four step at all i owe an amends to and I probably have to bleep this, but I can tell you, I do not owe a fucking amends, period. I just don't. Um, I don't owe every and every on earth an amends. I just don't. But they were on my fourth step, you know? The entire industry of <laughs> So, oh, like... <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't owe these things an amends, right? So... To me, I feel like that's a fallacy. I feel like that's a misinterpretation. And it's not something that I'm like willing to argue with someone, but that's my interpretation of the book, right? Now, when it says right before that, we, you know, submitted ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal, right? My 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 takeaway from this is that like just like these experiences that these guys have had with me in this past week, they they come with a certain set of ideas and perceptions about the world into step four and people who, if they, if they had written a list of everyone they had harmed in their four step, some of these people who they now went through this fifth step on, right? They, they, and, and now by the time they rewrite an eight step list, some of these people would not have been on that list. In, in step four, because they have a new way of thinking. They see that they are creating harm in almost every area of their life. And so it's like the list they would have brought me in, in a four step inventory would have been 10 names a lot of the times. And when they write a list, just, I just say, Hey, just write a list of names. You know, it's like 10 times the names sometimes, you know, cause they see things in a way that they didn't see them before a thorough inventory before a fifth step and often before really what you were just talking about suds, which is like going to this higher power that most of these people actively don't even believe in and just saying like, I'm open to this. Um, and just seeing the willingness in like a person who either has strong religious faith and kind of finds this confusing around their faith or has like an antipathy toward all spirituality, seeing the willingness in either of those types of people to go humbly to step six and seven and be like, I don't know. After this experience of step five, I can see things are not as I thought they were. I don't know. Just seeing somebody do that shows you're not the person you were in four. You know, 
you're not the person you were in five. You're starting to change. Let's take a look at these amends, these people who you feel you've harmed. And now let's go, let's go, I'm going to watch your feet now. I'm going to see how you're moving, like Fred was saying. What are the actions that you're taking now? Because now, and this, <laughs> this is the part where I like lose eight out of ten of my sponsees. Now, we stop self-examination and you go help people. You go do stuff for other people. And so when Aiden was talking about that incredible feeling of like, like the, the I, rem, I remember it myself when, when, when this huge first wave of amends was done for me, I'm just like, it's so hard to explain that to another person. Yeah. You're like on the other side of this, you are going to feel like a different person. It's mm -hmm. going to feel like magical. All this weight is going to come off of you. And I can't, it's just shy of, of like sparkles. Yeah. So, and I, you, the only way out is through. The yeah. only way to know what that feels like is on the other side. So no matter what amount of fear you have, the only way out is on the other side. Um, dovetailing off of what you were just saying. So um, many doves in this episode. <laughs> just their tails. Doves. Yeah. Just. <laughs> Disembodied dovetails. <laughs> so to dovetail off of what you were saying is, is this, um, off, this is where I need a sponsor, you know, that is I'm close with that knows all of those things that I've gone through mm. four and five because my step eight list I would bring, I brought to my first sponsor and there were people on it. They were like, the amends for this person is to leave them the fuck alone. <laughs> and it was so, I was so mad because clearly my um, motivation for going to see them was like, you know, I just love see if they miss me, they miss me <laughs> or whatever it was. Right. Like it, my motives for it were so wrong. Yes. Um, and, and my first sponsor was like so on top of that stuff. I love it. Um, and then, you know, talking about what an amend really is and like checking in, you know, my sponsor had a really great script for it where it's like, you go in, you say exactly what you did mm -hmm. say, sorry, how can I make it up to you? Mm -hmm. Hey, so-and-so. I was a liar. I stole $400 from you. Mm -hmm. um, and I had no intention of paying you back because I didn't think you were important. So, uh, or I mean, I thought I was more important than everybody else. Um, I'm sorry. How can I make it up to you? It's like that simple. Mm -hmm. And my um, intention or prayer that my sponsor had me say before I went into my men's was just like, this is only for your bullshit. Because I felt like a lot of the people I, you know, had amends to make with had lots of things that mm. they also sh should apologize right. for. Yeah, right. Um, I picked one of my hardest amends. My first was my first amend was this girl that I just like, I thought about her several times a day, how much I disliked this girl. But I owed some amends in that relationship. Mm -hmm. If you were keeping a tally, who could say... <laughs> Who owed more, maybe. And, you know, I went in as my first amends to, to this girl who I was, like, so mad at. All of my arguments against shampoo bottles were against this girl. And um, and I, I said my dirt, just my side. Um, and I remember her response was, I'm so sorry you didn't feel like you could come to me and talk to me about your problem with alcohol and drugs. And I was like, yeah, 
cool. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you think of anything that I can do to make it up for it to you, please let me know. You don't have to decide right now, but now I'm out of here. And I like, other than talking about her in step nine talks, mm-hmm. don't think about that girl at all. Yeah. I had this false idea that amending meant that like, we're going to make up and be friends. Yeah. I had all of these false ideas about what an amend was. Um, and it's so clearly laid out in the book and Aiden does a really great job of, about that. Um, where my, and my only job is to be willing, you know, I remember mm-hmm. my sponsor being like, if you can't get a hold of somebody or they don't want to talk to you. Your only job is to be willing to make amends to them all. Mm-hmm. They direct amends wherever possible. You know, like you don't get to, everybody has their own, you know, comfort bubble and you don't get to jump into somebody else's just to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Right. Um, but having a, a sponsor that like with the big book on one side and your men's on the other, letting you know who you should talk to and for what reason and helping you get there. She also made me call before I would go and make an amend, any amend. Like mm-hmm. even now, if I were going to go make one, I would probably call my first sponsor again and be like, this is what I'm about to say to this person. Right. To double check that I'm like phrasing it correctly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think so. So, I mean, this is so much amazing stuff. And Aiden did such an incredible job. As I just want to say real quick, like everyone that we asked to do this, like did such an incredible job. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I know that they all know that, but just because I know how I didn't do, I didn't do one. Fred didn't do one, but I know I know a guy who did, and it was challenging. It's a challenging thing to do. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to try to remember all the stuff that you guys just talked about because it's really good. So number one, I think steps eight and nine are our step eight specifically is is uh, wildly. Uh, left out of the big book like yeah. <laughs> for an entire step they really don't talk about it um and it brings me to like a place of like a more will be revealed kind of thing mm-hmm. like um and I, I think this is where good sponsorship and people who are centered in god can offer a tremendous amount to mm-hmm. somebody um and uh you know suds what, what you were talking about like my sponsor used to say or he would say to me like the one thing we don't want is an unguided amends missile yeah. You know, like we don't just want you out there firing off these apologies left and right. So, yeah, I mean, number one, like I highly believe in writing letters or script or whatever you want to call it. Every every single amends that I've ever made was written on a piece of paper that I carried with me. And I and I read directly off of that piece of paper. Um, the the second thing is, is like I, I read step eight and it says made a list. That's yeah. to me another directive. Like I don't get down with this idea that your fourth step contains everybody on your eight step list. And maybe yeah. we're going to get canceled as a big book podcast <laughs> after this, but I'll, I'll take it. Cause I just don't agree. And the way I like to frame it for sponsees is I say, here's what we're doing. We're walking through the grocery store. You're about to turn the aisle. Yeah. You come into the new aisle and there's a person standing there that you do not want to see. If they're there, they go on your amends list. Perfect. The idea of this of these steps is that I can walk through that grocery store and it doesn't matter who's in there because mm-hmm. I've taken care of my side of shit. We might not walk by and high five each other, but there's nothing else to say, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and everything has been smoothed over, right? And um, the whole idea of like 
again, it's not, it doesn't say anywhere like, hey, you should probably call your sponsor before you walk into this amends or another um, person walking the spiritual path. Like, it doesn't say that. But I tell all my sponsees, like, hey, there's two people you should probably check in with before you go do this. It's me and then it's God, you know? And if you can't get a hold of me, you definitely want to check in with the other guy. <laughs> like, because um, there's a really good chance that at some of the, at some point in this process, I try to front load these people and like give them the best shot at success. So like, I'm like, let's organize this list. So you're going to get some wins right off the bat, you know, <laughs> cause nothing can, can, uh, quickly derail somebody off their list faster than like three in a row where they're just getting kicked out of the room, you know? So like get them a few wins, you know? So I like to give them a few easy ones, put a few on a tee, let them hit the ball, <laughs> see how it goes. Um, because, I've walked into an immense and had somebody say something at the end that I didn't expect a curveball where they were like, well, you didn't say this. Mm -hmm. And I went, well, well, now that you bring that up, let me bring up a few of your fucking faults. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wasn't centered in God. I hadn't talked to another person before I went to make that amends. Um, and uh, I had written the amends letter, but then I hadn't checked back in before I actually did it. I just walked in and did it. And then they said, so you don't want to be out there making amends because you made a shitty amends. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that's a shit. That's a really shitty place to be. Amending you know? an amends. I've been there. <laughs> cool. a, amending an amends sucks. You know, I, think I don't think. Oh, I think, too, that um, this is part of the, the like taking off the training wheels portion of like I now I can make an amend anywhere like. I ran into a guy in a parking lot about a year ago who I was like, oh, I never want to see that guy. And I had kind of like half-heartedly made an attempt to make an amends because I was so embarrassed by my own conduct. But then suddenly you're walking across a parking lot and that's they're there. I knew exactly how to make an amend. Mm -hmm. Right. I knew in that moment. The other thing is that a lot of people talk about like living amends, which is so weird to me. Like I still sat down my parents had a real amends with them, mm -hmm. um, which is one of my easy ones because the chances are if my parents haven't disowned me yet, they're not going to when I'm saying sorry. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, my mom, my living amends is that my mom will bring up things I don't remember from my entire life of, as a degenerate. And I have, to, I have to sit and take a moment and make an amends again and again. And again, mm -hmm. like, remember that one Christmas? <laughs> I don't. I was drunk, but I bet I did that. I think you're entirely right. I'm so sorry. I was entirely selfish. How can I make it up to you? Well, just don't do it anymore. Okay, cool. <laughs> Am I making it up to her by just, like, not screaming every time it happens? Who's to say? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think the book's pretty clear that, like, uh, you know, it's part of part of the steps is that we're supposed to be making a living amends of our whole life. It's like, you know, right. it's like, yeah. and there's, there's people who I, um, I mean, I, I, I did shitty things to strangers 20 years ago mm -hmm. where it's like, I don't, I didn't even know who that was then. Like I, and I, I live 1200 miles away from there, you know? And, and like, uh, if, if I could find that person, the book talks about, you know, like as long as we're willing you know, and, and, and you said it, you know, it's like, am I willing to make that approach? 100% I would make that amends if I if I was capable of doing that, 
you know? And if I'm having the proverbial, you know, uh, parking lot experience, like you mentioned, boom, dude, I'm right there. I, I'm in it. I'm 100% yeah. willing to do that. Uh, at the same time, like, my amends for that situation, what I have felt guided to do is, okay, uh, I'm going to be a good dude to people. You know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be going around acting like a fucking asshole and I'm going to be mm -hmm. actively listening to the people around me. I'm going to be actively acting selflessly and giving as often as I can. Right. And I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to pray for the ability to do that because I've been a really selfish taker from strangers my whole life, you know? And I think that the book is really clear about this homes, occupations and affairs thing. It's really mm -hmm. important, you know? And I also think that on the topic of guidance with the men's guidance from, you know, people other than just this higher power, I think that the book's really clear. I don't think that they would write for seven and a half pages about every type of amends ever if I'm just supposed to go, hey, God, what do I do with all these amends? If I'm not supposed to get any human, you know, ideas on how to handle amends, why is there almost eight pages about it? And why do those eight pages mention the first 100 specifically telling people things to do, right? And that's, mm -hmm. and now I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I do think that the, the word direct gets like somehow people are like, ah, I don't see that word in this sentence. Mm -hmm. Like this idea of direct amends, you mm -hmm. know, writing a letter that you're not actively carrying to read as a script, unless there's no other way to do it. Like, right. Looking somebody in the eye is a really great way to further your six and seven work. Right. Right. Is like, I really don't want to have to do this again for being the same shitty person. There's something about that, like on the other side of of six and seven, um, doing that amends. It really doubles down on building that feeling I get in my gut when I do something wrong mm -hmm. that I had shut up for so long. Yeah, it's like you know all of those things that I should have felt while I did all of that stuff. I'm now relearning how to do it. I'm refeeling it, you know, um, so that I can like that moral psychology they talk about. Um, you know, Dr. Silkworth talks about that's what this process is. I'm like relearning how to do that. It's why the steps are in that order for a reason. Um, but there's no better teacher about how not to be selfish than having to go and explain what a selfish mm. bitch you were. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And uh, real quick, ju I just want to say this one last thing and then I'll do yeah. my thing. So uh, you said direct and it made me think of two things. One, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but we have this really great workshop coming up and we should talk, we should plug that on the podcast here. Uh, and, um, and so I don't have all the details. That's, that's John's job. But, um, but one thing I think that's great that has come out of all this, uh, pandemic zoom stuff is I've had sponsees who physically cannot make amends unless we do it over zoom. And I've found that it works like you can make an amends over zoom. Yep. And I'll be honest, like when I had to make amends, I had lived in like three places mm -hmm. while drinking. And I waited, even though like FaceTime was like a thing, I'm pretty sure Skype was definitely a thing. And, um, and like, I even remember talking to my sponsor about it. Like, well, could I FaceTime these people? Like, could I, cause like a phone call probably wasn't enough, you know, but it was like, and it was like this weird thing. And so I had to fly. So I actually had to like postpone a bunch of these amends until I had the the financial ability to get myself to these places and then try to get in front of all these people. 
and I maybe I'm putting myself out there for criticism here, but I'm going to say that from here on out, I'm going to let people make amends over Zoom. You know, like if if the op, like if they were living in California and now they live in New York and they have no money and the best option is to get them in a Zoom call and just get the amends done, I'm like fucking get it done. You don't feel like they're qualitatively different, like that, like the delicious taste of step nine. <laughs> On the other side of perfect, it? I think in a perfect world, yeah. But I think we, you know, I think it's... Uh, I we think are the in Zoom a, is good. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, the, there's... I mean, I don't think that there would be a line in those nine-step directions that says, you know, if, if someone can't be seen, we send them an honest letter. Like, I right. think that opens it up to us in the future to jump into spaceman territory and be like beep, right. boop, 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 boop. hey face to face talking on a thing you know um and what you're saying and, is i can text my amends that's what you're saying <laughs> you what can, i'm saying is just I make living care. amends <laughs> you can just make living amends <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's just my living amends is a heart emoji a day thanks mom exactly Go what i would do yourself, suds mom. is i would write the letter and then just burn it <laughs> so mm. so i actually have a similar experience to fred with my initial round of amends, but I went the other way. Um, I lived in a place where I was a couple thousand miles from almost everyone on my amends list. And the choice was either do no direct amends at all right now because I'm fucking broke and I don't have money for flights or trips or anything, or take the action that I can take and try to make a sincere heartfelt amends to those people. And I did the second thing. And I, I don't think any of those people felt like that was an insincere or uh, thoughtless approach to that. All of them right. went very well. They felt like they really got something out of it. And because I approached it in a really similar way to what Aiden described, um, when you approach someone like that, like that's it's very clear it's not just a hey what's up conversation it's like here's why i would like to speak here's here are my specific harms you know what can i do to make this right did i leave anything out you know it's like people aren't used to being talked to that way you know right honest communication is the fucking furthest thing from what most people engage in throughout the day you know so when approached in that way and it's just like the book said, like that was my experience in doing that. It was like these people were people who didn't really want to hear from me. And when they accepted my amends and they were approached in that way, and it was a specific thing, that was a different experience than either of us were expecting. And it was incredibly profound, you know, mm -hmm. but I can understand it going either way for somebody. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like somebody like Fred, who's always been a jet setter and, you know, could... <laughs> Always. <laughs> so, so that's Saturday, March 27th, starting at 10 a.m. East Coast time, U.S. The Zoom ID is 821-6059-8657. Password is capital F, first, and then the number is 164. First, 164. Okay, Fred, take it away. Okay, thanks. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah. I think two things stuck out to me. One is how um, 
every single person who spoke, uh, the whole time they were talking, they just talked about how the thing they were talking about was good, but it was basically worthless if you didn't go to the next episode and do the next thing. <laughs> nice. like, like, or if you haven't done the previous episode. Right, or if you <laughs> haven't done the previous... Like, like, ha- turns out all the steps are necessary and they're in order for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I just loved it because nobody heard any of these right i don't like nobody was listening to these uh before they recorded them you know it was like uh Mm -hmm. other than other than john and i we're the only two who got to hear them everybody else was in a vacuum but it was just incredible how everyone said that the 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 thing here's the thing i could say i could absolutely talk about every single episode but because i'm gonna have to pick one there's this guy uh blake who spoke mm-hmm. on step 11. There's two reasons I picked him. Number one, he makes me super mad about step 11 because he's done it every day. <laughs> and nothing like making a bunch of alcoholics feel like a, just biggest pieces of shit. Cause I, every person I talk to that knows this guy, uh, I'm like, yeah, that guy, you know, he does a step 11 every day. It's not missed a single day. And everybody's like, I know. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck him for being so perfect on step eleven. Like I'm, like everyone's like, yeah, I know. I miss a day, and every time I talk to Blake, I feel like such an asshole. Um, but it's incredible. And I, the thing is, his step eleven is incredible. But I think the one thing that I want to just quickly mention, I know we've been going a while here, is I love when he talks about um, that. It talks about how we're doing this to improve our conscious contact with God. And he says, it doesn't say we're looking to keep it the same, or I might be fucking up his wording, but it's basically the idea. And, um, I think I've, I, I think that just hits me right now because I'm at this place where I'm like, okay, now there's, when's the next thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's like every, like this has become so, uh, rote for me, the morning thing where it's like, I wake up and it's just boom. It's just immediate. It's like, I don't even think about it, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, like I get to a point in my day or I, I will stagnate in my life at some, in some way, you know, like something doesn't feel like it's fulfilling me to the point where it should, or I find myself angry about something, you know? And I'm like, Oh, it must be that one thing in AA that I haven't figured out yet. Like it must be that one next level of thing, you know, where I surround myself with a group of people like you guys and you guys are all living this incredible lives and I watch you doing it. And I'm like, I hope they're not doing something that I'm not doing, you know? (laughs) And, um, and it's like, he just so beautifully laid out how simple step 11 is and how basic step 11 is and how it doesn't there. Listen, I have books on my desk right now that are written by a lot of the people who probably were big inspirations for the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. I love reading about this stuff, but you don't have to, you don't have to like any of it. Mm-hmm. You can literally just do the very simple shit. It says in 11 and you will continue to find God in a deeper and more effective way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I absolutely loved about, about his talk on 11. Yeah. Uh, I'll jump in on, on his talk. <laughs> On 11. You know, it's actually both 10 and 11. There is something so frustrating about like very big book centered people talking about step 10 and 11 um, uh, because they're very clear cut and they're generally not what I'm up to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm either like over inflating them or I'm entirely minimizing them. You know, um, Joe did a really great job talking about step 10, yeah. um, where it's like, 
Step 10 is four parts. And I remember I was two years sober in a big book meeting the first time somebody broke it down as four steps to step 10. And I just like puked in my mouth a little bit. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to know better and then have to do better. <laughs> right. if, you could, if you could take back those mouth words you just said. Um, and he, of course, hammered on it as well. He like brought up that there are these, these pieces to it. And the same thing, with uh, step 11, I get so uncomfortable about my relationship with a higher power. It's something I have to actively work on all the time. Um, and uh, sometimes I like to make step 11 way bigger and way more complicated than it is because I'm so uncomfortable about doing it. So if I make it big enough, then it's like I'm not at a Buddhist temple trying this out. So I guess I can't do it today. But that's mm-hmm. my MO, right? So I have to find different ways of engaging in those those things yeah that's my uh mostly they they just made me angry (laughs) (laughs) anything uh, that points out that i'm not right um you know or gives me um the clear-cut way to do it when my brain is like "Mm, you've been around for a while like you kind of get the gist of it it's good to be reminded like to be brought back to that center and like Mm-hmm. readjust your readjust your program as I had a minister once explain uh, that the root of the word repent um, I, I can see both of your faces are like, God, this is <laughs> so um, but the idea is actually um, in Latin is to like readjust huh? mm-hmm. is is like a, an angle so like re-angle yourself um, and as I've been going through this process of going through this season of uh, of your podcast has been like a series of like, oh, how can I repent on this step? Mm-hmm. How can I re-aim? What are the things that I absolutely knew already? And what are the like pieces that maybe have been missing from my program in that sp- specific regard? Mm-hmm. How can I pass this on to sponsees? You know? How can I repent, you know, repent my my way of navigating all of this stuff? And it's mm. been great. It's like these subtle little adjustments where suddenly a yoga position is totally different. Yeah, once right. you finally get your hands in the right place, it's uh, I've been really fascinated by it. The whole process. Yeah, because that's the juice. That's like like a meeting, like the Wednesday meeting. It's like um, I'm not I'm not going there um, to hear other people say the same shit that I think, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not desirous of an echo chamber of like, you know, John Barleycorns or whatever. Right. So like I go there and I hear these other people who have an active living experience with this work and like their experience speaks to like, you know, this, this autonomous human being having lived this thing. It's not like somebody just like, fucking spitballing right they're talking about like mm-hmm. here's what happened recently doing this with someone and and it's like the the language of the heart kind of thing it's the depth and weight thing it's like that is a lived experience that i can relate with 
even though I haven't experienced it. And hearing about their specific experience with it deepens my experience with it. And then I can take that into my next experiences, you know, and I can Mm -hmm. rededicate myself to like trying a different angle on something like you said. And the one thing I do want to say about the 10 and 11 episodes is I'm realizing in the back of my mind, as both of you were talking, that as we were putting those out and I was like, I think even in the like nucleus of the idea of this season before we even recorded a single lick of it in the back of my mind was, was always like, those are the two episodes that are going to make people angry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really anything to do with spirituality. I have to do begrudgingly. Um, And that's been my process and it has been so helpful with sponsees. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yes, 10 and 11 are definitely going to be ones where I'm like, hmm. I think, okay, I guess, cool. <laughs> I think <laughs> Why one would of you the, say that to me? <laughs> the greatest things about the book and the way that they wrote 10 and 11 is it's like, it's spirituality for dummies. It's right. like, mm. there's no, I mean, there's no religion in it really at all. You know what I mean? It's like, um, it's, it's just literally just like answering questions and, planning your day and just being like, how can I plan my day without being like a selfish self-pitying dick face? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when yeah. I am inevit- inevitably right. say sorry and help someone. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think uh, to circle all the way back, like to your original thing that we were talking about old Sudsy there. And um, <laughs> when you were talking about, you know, big book people can come off as, or there's that fine line of like being self-righteous, you know, Mm-hmm. And trust me, I've I've absolutely crossed that line. Probably, I probably cross it all the Five time. But ago. um, yeah, yeah exactly. I've been noticing it during this entire <laughs> thank you recording. Uh, thank you. I think you should call your sponsor. <laughs> Can you stop um, book explaining me, please? Sorry. So um, yeah, I think uh, it comes off for two, like in a couple ways. But I it, I never want to give off the impression that we've somehow like grown above this work. Right. Or that like we're explaining this, but we're not living it. Like I have actively called people this week with a 10 step, mm-hmm. you know, um, I am active. I am making mistakes in my marriage, in my relationship with my children, in my work, like on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, mm-hmm. you know, it's like happening all the time. And I'm constantly re- well, I love what you were just talking about with the readjusting, you know, like I'm constantly readjusting back towards my relationship with God. Like I never want to give off the impression that we have, that we're talking from this like higher place. Mm-hmm. You know, we are talking from the exact same place that everyone else who's walking on this road is, is coming from. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the biggest gifts of um, step 12 is the fact that I get to go back through the steps with another person and the amount yeah. of times that I call a sponsee, you know, a week after I have given them some advice and like, you know, um, some kind of like six and seven work or whatever it is that they're doing or looking at the patterns of their lives through step five, doesn't matter. It's like a week later, I'm like, God damn it. Sponsees <laughs> are the worst. And they come into your life for a reason at a, a specific time, Yeah, you know? I had to fully reevaluate, reevaluated a 10 year long relationship because I was having conversations with a sponsee about what sex ideal is and what a real, like healthy, what does a healthy relationship look like? Mm -hmm. And I realized I had never done that for myself. I was just in the same relationship I had been when I was using and when I was sober. And then I had to make some 
decisions about that. I never made decisions about anything like that before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I probably wouldn't have if I had just done my fifth step and sixth step alone. I would have continued to to live the way that I was. But when I give somebody advice, I have to take it. Right? Right. You know, it's it's like uh, when I tell somebody that um, AA isn't for everything. It's for a lot of stuff. Yep. But it's not for everything. Um, that's a thing that you said just out now that sounds like a therapist should maybe deal with that, right? Right. I can't tell somebody that and then not actively also have a therapist for the stuff in my life that is not alcohol related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so again, like I just two weeks ago, I had had a, had it out with my sponsee about, you know, personal care or like taking care of yourself and what personal responsibility, which for me is kind of my spiritual awakening is that I have a sense of personal responsibility, what's mine and what's not mine. Um, and getting on them about their mental health. And then I was like, well, now I got to get a therapist. And I did, right. like I had been without a therapist for two years and I was like, told them to take care of the mental health. I have no business giving instructions to anybody else that I'm not also taking. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, and that has been that, that like readjustment as you go through the steps again and give people examples um, has been that same process that I felt as I, I've been listening to this series on your, the season of your podcast, this season, <laughs> delicious step nine. Does it taste delicious? Like a step nine? Yes. The season does. Nice. Um, <laughs> all right. Do we have time to do 12 questions? What's the 12 I questions? Um, have you never listened to our fucking podcast? Before? <laughs> Um, I get about 40 minutes in before the dishes are done. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, we're going to do 12 questions with our guest. Mm -hmm. Suds. I started to say Sudsy. Sudsy. (laughs) I like Sudsy. All right. uh, I'll go first. You went first last time. Okay. Okay. Question one. How many people have you sponsored? Oh, I want to say probably like 30 people I've actively started to go through the steps with. How many of them are still sober? Uh, I want to say four. How many of them didn't know I was sponsoring them? A lot. (laughs) Great answer. Great answer. (laughs) Um, How long did it take you to do the steps? Over a year. I don't recommend it. Word. What is your least favorite AA slogan and why? Think, think, think. Mm. One, it's hard to say. <laughs> so not great slogan. Um, and two, um, is because so much of this requires my thinking. Right. Like, I just don't understand where it is coming from. Nowhere. It's nowhere. Yeah. We, we uh, had the... Can I give a runner up or no? We had the etymology of that in an episode before. And you would know that if you ever listened to the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I leave before the end of the episode and I get outside to have a cigarette before the end of the meeting. So kill me. <laughs> Question three. Have you actually ever listened to an episode of our podcast? <laughs> I do. I do listen to them. Um, okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. When did you feel the nearness of your creator? Oh, I wish that people could see how grossed out my face was. Um, the first time I felt... He did that on purpose. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> then so much eye contact in it for a Zoom meeting. Um, the first time I felt the nearness of my creator was I was working on a, a film about alcoholism. And um, I was not directing it, but I was working on it. And they were using my chips in the film. I was maybe like five, maybe six months over. And we were on um, Clifton Hill in Niagara Falls. And the character has just picked up a desire chip. And they walk in front of a big kind of like sky wheel on Clifton Hill in front of Niagara Falls. And we didn't know that this was happening, but it was their like Christmas lighting of the falls. Um, so fireworks went off this as is like, so dramatic. camera comes down, <laughs> camera comes down and like looks at her hand with my, with my, you know, chip in it. And I looked over at the director after she said cut and she just looked at me and she was like, art can feel people. And I just felt all of this pressure come off. I called my sponsor and I was like, oh my God, I got it now. I got it. I feel God. Um, or whatever that is. I'm happy, joyous and free. The universe is lining up. It's awesome. Uh, And and she was like, cool. Remember that you felt this way so that you know that it was possible when you don't tomorrow. Right. Mm. Nice. (laughs) It's like knowing that you have um, access to the internet. You know, like you can, you can dial in anytime you want now. (laughs) It's not Wi-Fi yet. It's just a doo-doo, doo-doo. Okay. Um, Bill or Bob? Oh. Bill. Bill. Short and sweet. Unless you're Bob, I guess. In which case, that was a real heartbreaker. Mm. Bill, (laughs) because I ended up reading Bill's story first. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, I think it's because I ended up reading it first. And like, as much as I wanted to have uh, contempt prior to investigation of AA... Um, and that I would have nothing to, nothing in common mm-hmm. with this like stockbroker from the 1930s who's like a white, healthy dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I couldn't, it was irrefutable. I, well, when I was reading it, yeah. where it was like, oh, they did this too. And they <laughs> did it. Ugh. It made it so clear to me that somebody I knew in my heart, I'm like way different than mm-hmm. that guy. Um, and I just wasn't different at all. Yeah. Uh, okay. Outside of like, uh, reading it in a meeting or reading it with a sponsee, how much time have you spent studying the big book? Mm. Not enough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, I'm an 84 to 88 kind of everyday reader. It's like a get yourself back in the same the same line and then um whenever i attend black rhino i definitely read it in advance going to that meeting but that's about it nice um let me dovetail off of that one (laughs) (laughs) how many stories have you read from the back of the book all of them okay when i first came around um and i was you know deciding how to deal with the step one issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause for a while I would just be like, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic. Um, my sponsor was like, you're not ready for the rest of the big book yet. You're a slow learner. So if you could read the stories in the back of the book, just pick up, read a story, see if you identify. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, how did your sponsor approach you? Um, 
outside. Uh, so she blocked, I think, the exit to the the church basement. Excellent. Physically blocked it um, to be like, hey, uh, would you like a free cigarette? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then we went outside to smoke. Um, and uh, they tricked me into going. One of the one of my good friends had an apartment across the street from the meeting that we could smoke in. Um, and it became this like old school coffee table AA, the way that, you know, this community raised their, their like young alcoholics is mm-hmm. through old school coffee table AA, where you sat, you smoke a hundred cigarettes and you talk about what your life used to be like. And you laugh and realize you can laugh again. And you keep doing that until the liquor store closes. And then they would send you home, no matter how tired all of these women were, even though they had been through everything already. It was like, and and that's how I've, my sponsor was my sponsor before I even knew it, mm-hmm. right? I didn't even have to ask, they were already sponsoring me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was taught to sponsor as well, is that you physically block them, you offer them free cigarettes, <laughs> um, or like vape pods or whatever everybody's <laughs> using now. And then, and then you... Go, you like take them to the next location. You get them to a second location. <laughs> this is like a serial killer yeah. manifesto. <laughs> okay, that's um, pretty much it. <laughs> for my penultimate question, I'm going to go totally off the reservation to keep in tradition with last episode we did. Um, so, fuck, Mary, kill. Are you familiar with the concept? I am. Okay. So, this is going to be semi-local to your uh, location. Local to Ooh. your location. Uh, okay. <laughs> it has nothing to do with AA. So, okay, uh, cool. fuck, Mary kill. Poutine. Uh, pea meal bacon. Ketchup chips. Oh. Kill ketchup chips. Um... Hang on, I'm writing this down. Fuck Putin. <laughs> Mary back bacon. Nice. Awesome. I think those are solid places. I'm standing by them. Wedded bliss with the bacon. You can't really miss with bacon. Follow up mm. question. Do you feel like the whole poutine revolution has really kind of, you know, where everything is becoming a poutine? Have you noticed this? I yeah, it's like. Do they have every... that there? Where like Putin really comes from? Or. <laughs> or sorry, I'm not even saying. I'm sorry, I'm not even saying it with the correct accent. Putin. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> we're. Um, we're actually headed to Quebec for a little getaway. Um, and by getaway, I mean um, to isolate in a cottage somewhere that's not our apartment uh, next week. Um, so that's where it kind of comes from. There's a specific type of cheese you're supposed to use, mm-hmm. which are, is like, they call it squeaky cheese or mm-hmm. cheese curds. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of Putin doesn't really live up to that. Well, where he lives, what they're doing is like anything that's anywhere near a gastro pub or that kind of dining is it's like, oh, we've got a patin and it's, it's got eight pounds of bacon on it and it has pulled pork and smoked baby back ribs. And it's like seven animals died for these french fries. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's um, been a lot of like, I don't do you guys have, um, Oh, there's like specific Putin shops here that are chain restaurants that just serve that. And yeah. they're like 
you know, like rice and peas. Yeah, on, yeah. Like they, they've really expanded the meaning of. When I saw it on a on a menu at a Mexican restaurant, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> it's oh, but that shark. sounds delicious. No, though. I totally ordered it. <laughs> yeah. No, I well, absolutely ordered it. How is that different it. than like a Taco Bell like fry supreme? Right. Yeah. Nacho fries are my jam. <laughs> Every time they go off the menu, I get so mad. They're so. Oh, you have all God. the ingredients. I know there are fries back there. <laughs> it makes me so mad. They took away, the- they took away the shredded chicken burrito. I'm like, how hard is it to make shredded fucking uh. chicken? Well, every Taco Bell here is also a KFC. Um, uh, I don't yes. know if you guys have Love that. The KFC, yeah. So, like, Bell, you know they have the chicken best. and you know right. they have fries. Okay, so can you do the that. combo order? Can you do the combo order where you get two tacos, mm-hmm. two chicken strips, and potato wedges? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yes. so uh, two things. I hate that uh, I'm I'm part of my po- my podcast has become talking about Taco Bell right now. I hate that. But I also want to <laughs> want to complain that they also got rid of the seven layer burrito. So now yep. at a Taco Bell KFC, I can't do my favorite thing, which is to get a seven layer burrito and put potato wedges in it. Oh, oh. so dank! So good. Okay, sorry, I'm we're way off track. I only ate Taco Bell in sobriety because nice. when I was still drinking and using, I was a vegan. To uh, protect my health. Right. That <laughs> mm-hmm. makes sense. I've only gotten tattooed in sobriety. And you are mm. a very tattooed dude. <laughs> I wish I had only been tattooed in sobriety. My sober tattoos are better. Right. Well, I say he's very right. tattooed. He has he has like three different onk tattoos. W- one on the neck, one on the small of the back, and you know another one elsewhere. Right. One. That's a lot of tattoos. <laughs> I don't know, it looks Three. like a teardrop under his eye. <laughs> yeah. I have all the I have the traditional Vans warp tour sleeve where it's just I just have neck to neck, chin down to shirt collar <laughs> and then and then elbow to wrist. Knee to ankle. <laughs> yeah, knee to ankle. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I often um, am like people ask me if I'm super covered and I was like, Yeah, but most of them I can't show you. Mm-hmm. You realize that, right? Like I'm I wear long jeans. I've got flannel shirt. Like most of them are not visible. I'm not going to play show you the tattoo today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All it's right. A fun game. But most of them are hidden. Sorry. Okay. Um, how many meetings do you attend weekly? And you can give your answer in both Zoom and non-Zoom times. Okay. So before um, before the plague struck our lands, um, I would go as often as possible. So um, sometimes I work... Uh, 14 hour days and it's not very easy to get to meetings um and there's nothing i can do about that i work 14 hours and there's there's no escape mm-hmm. um so when i have time off or if i am done before um like seven o'clock and i can get to an eight o'clock meeting i've made it a, a point that i go to that meeting um in the after times um i wasn't going to any meetings at all uh, until a friend of mine who also happens to be involved with this podcast made a real push to help me get back in. Um, and uh, now he has me doing like treatment centers twice a month. I'm like hanging out and talking to This guy sounds like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but it was been, it's been so helpful. So now I go to about two meetings cool. a week. So, for my final question, given your profession you've mentioned a few times, choose... (laughs) How do I phrase it? (laughs) What do you consider the least 
egregious misrepresentation of the 12 steps in the film industry. Like in, oh my god, there are so many movies. really fun uh, 12 step kind of uh, adjacent films that are worth watching. Pick one. Um, I only get to pick one. What's the, what's the least egregious or the best? Your favorite. <sighs> if we want to be optimistic I'm going to plug the it. one that I worked on that I had my, my nearness to my creator on. Do it. Um, and you can get it on, um, like, uh, what's it called? The iTunes. It sounds Google like we it. can relive that experience with you from what, how if you If you would like it. to, you can, like, see the shot that I'm talking about. It's incredible. called Mary Goes Round, and I think it's delightful. Mary Goes it's Round? A really beautiful song. Yeah. Nice. Cool. This episode is full of plugs. Yeah. That's Saturday, Bye. March 27th. <laughs> but also, you should watch The Sound of Metal, My Left Foot. Like, there's so many beautiful... Um, the Town. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many really great AA adjacent. Don't you remember when the guy... That's, Honey no, boy. it's so good. He's like... He goes at like a 5 a.m. meeting mm -hmm. and he comes in late and there's a guy doing a lead and he's like, he does this like this great story that could have been like this incredible story about how like he found God. But then instead of saying God, he points to his wife. He's like, and that's my Eskimo right there, Marjorie. <laughs> Never change. And that's that's a threat. Don't ever change. <laughs> Um, there's also so many great television series now. I know that everybody talks about mom, but mm -hmm. like go watch Flaked, uh, which is a Will Arnett. Um, he was making it as he was having a relapse and it's about somebody who's in AA, um, and they're like little AA maker community. Um, and it's so good. Um, and then obviously Bojack Horseman. So just like Will Arnett, just follow Will Arnett around. <laughs> right. Okay. You got one more. I know you kind of it's like all right. <laughs> what? It's like not sure what which way to go here. Okay. In twenty words or less, tell me about how you feel about to wives. Two wives <laughs> has become a chapter. I hate less. Than when I first read it, it is a, a measuring stick. Oh, stop! <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I think we get it. That's we know where great. you are headed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Bonus question: How do you define thirteenth stepping? Oh. Uh, <sighs> um, I think that. Uh, 13th stepping is something that you can see is a pattern in someone's behavior. It is not like a one-off thing. Mm. Um, it is when somebody who has a ton of sobriety um, or a good amount of sobriety um, hits up a newcomer um, to be uh, nefarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that it happens a lot um, as a person who's uh, more on the femme side of life, like the amount of times where I've had a sponsee, like, we need to go to the bathroom and I've walked up to some dude and been like, leave her the fuck alone. Mm -hmm. She's busted and she still smells like vodka. Leave her alone. Mm -hmm. You can come back in a year 
when she gets her cake, you can come back and fuck her. You know, like <laughs> not promising. Not promising, obviously. <laughs> no, it's guaranteed. Actually, so I think about cake. sponsorship as like a weird sex, long game sex traffic. <laughs> That's the sub Here's your promise. Cake. <laughs> now go have sex with Luke. You can take that to the spank bank. <laughs> um, but you know, I would Luke, say that, and God. like my husband, my husband, I met, um, and he wasn't a sober person when we met. Um, and then we got after we met, we, we were engaged a month after we met, and uh, he got sober the day after we got engaged. We decided to get sober. He, is one of us and definitely like feels at home in meetings although he's not a um an aa guy um and he's been sober ever since cool being sober ever since cool nice. and i wouldn't call that 12 stepping or 13 stepping call it finding a diamond in the rough <laughs> <laughs> nice uh that's you know a, how lot like a lot of them would gold. call it that too i'm sure though <laughs> He's so lovely. Which is, I'm not someone. doubting your experience. I'm just saying. Yeah. Some of these people. It's my higher power. The delusion fault. goes put, deep. Put them in my way. You know, what am I supposed to do? Right. Well, awesome. <laughs> this is great. Thank you so much for doing this with us, especially uh, with homework involved and on such short notice. Thank you so much for having me. I have been a fan of your podcast and your memes for much amount of time. And uh, that's how we got connected, is that I was just like, I didn't realize it was both the memes and the show. Um, and uh, and I'm so grateful to have uh, both of you in my life push me to like get out of my uh, doom hole of the apocalypse here. Yeah, is there service. like a meme page you want to plug or anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a meme page uh, called Sober Trudge. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. There's some very uh, Renaissance painting-based memes <laughs> for the most mm. part. <laughs> very Renaissance painting. Mmm, tasty ninth step. Mmm, delicious ninth step. Mmm. <laughs> Does it taste as good as real ninth step? <laughs> <laughs> no one knows the difference. We gave a restaurant half real ninth step, half fake ninth step. <laughs> They were both pleased. I can't believe it's not real events. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Suds. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, guys. This has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.